I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind, a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, I will never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise tonight. He's worthy. Amen. Amen. I got a little bit nervous today uh, uh, when I started realizing what was taking place. Shelby's parents are with us uh, from Oregon. Why don't you guys stand up? Let's welcome Shelby's parents. They rolled into town yesterday. That was pretty cool. And then our pastor showed up today. You guys stand up, Rick and, and Miss Linda Sharkey. Yeah. Turned over there, and there's our good friends from out of town, Rick and Roxy Jolly. Come on, stand up. Yeah. And the thought went through my mind, what did Shelby do? <laughs> Mom and dad, the pastors, and some good friends. She, you've been naughty. All right. We are, we are blessed. Amen. Amen. You had a good week? You ready for a better one? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm here. Amen. We've been talking about things to remember in a crisis. Things to remember in a crisis. There's some things I really want to get to. I really want to get into manifesting your glory. The whole earth is filled with the glory of God. And when you manifest your glory, that in turn glorifies God. And what God's dropped inside of you and deposited in you is, is incredible. It's awesome and it's unique. But God ain't letting me go there because there's some other stuff you got to know first. So I'm begging you, learn this. <laughs> There's some things you need to learn in a crisis. How many of you realize crisis comes to everybody? Right? Chaos, challenge, you know, uh, confrontation, trouble. It's out there. We're all dealing with it. And I know it can be frustrating. I understand that it can feel like uh, it's just so overwhelming. And, and sometimes trouble is so redundant. It comes in big numbers. You know, it is... Uh, and you can just feel like you haven't learned anything, you haven't grown in any way. But you know what? There's some things to remember. Last week we talked about the number one thing you've got to remember in a crisis is that before you, you can remember something, you've got to know it first. Right? You cannot remember something you didn't know in the first place. It said you cannot remember something you did not know in the first place. Isaiah 30, 21, uh, I quoted it over the boys just a minute ago, uh, that you, your ears will hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right and to the left. What an awesome promise from the word of God, that wherever you're going in life, whatever, whatever road you're on, your ear is going to hear a word behind you saying, this is the way to go. When you turn to the left or to the right, this is the way to go. What an awesome promise. But there's some things here you've got to realize. Number one, you've got to have ears that have been trained to hear. You, you've got to have trained yourself to hear the, the voice of God speaking to you through that word of God. You know, a lot of people are waiting for God to paint their name in green glow-in-the-dark paint on the bedroom wall so they know they've heard from God. Well, why would he do something supernatural before you read the book? Come on, get in the book. Study, study the Word. Show yourself a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Study. Throw yourself into that thing. Well, every time I read the book, I fall asleep. Well, get up and do it again. 
Find whatever resource that's going to help you and study because you need to know God's Word. Man, you need the book. Remember this, a red book gives you wings. Right? Not red in color, a book that you have read. Say, the red book gives you wings. It'll lift you up over all that junk that's trying to take you down. It'll give you insight that you couldn't possibly have without the Word of God operating inside of your spirit. Man, you need, you need the Word of God. Thy Word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy Word have I put inside my heart so I won't wander off the trail. I'm storing it up. I'm, it might not make any sense today, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of them moments, see? It is a chunk of time impregnated with purpose that's going to have a collision with my mind as I'm driving down the street and I'm going to hear Deuteronomy. Numbers. See? Numbers. Numbers 32.6. How many have already read that? You cracked it open right there, didn't you? Right? His word coming alive right when I need it. Right when I need it. So that I make the right turn you got to remember that the word you hear the words you hear determines the thoughts that you're thinking okay the thoughts you're thinking are going to impact influence create the feelings that you feel the, the emotional realm the emotions that you have are going to dictate the choices that you make the choices you make are going to uh, determine the habits that you possess the habits that you possess are going to determine the character that, that you have. Character is going to determine your final outcome or your destiny. You know, if you don't, it, it, on that, guys, this is life. This, this is just, here's life for you. You know, if, if you don't like your character, all you got to do is back up, change your habits. How do I change my habits? Change the choices that you're making. How do I change the choices? Change your emotions. Change your feelings. How do I do that? Well, you change the thoughts you're thinking. How do I change my thoughts? Well, by changing the word that you're listening to. See, if you have godly word, you'll have godly thoughts. If you have godly thoughts, you're going to have godly feelings. You have godly feelings, you're going to have godly choices. If you make godly choices, you're going to create godly habits. You create godly habits, you're going to have godly character. If you have godly character, you're going to have the God outcome that he's called and created you for. So just back it up. Find out where you're missing it. And back it up. Look at your neighbor and say, back it up. Some of us need to back up and in a hurry. <laughs> Again, probably people who will be here tomorrow. But uh, we, we got to look at this thing. He, you know, Isaiah 55, 55, verse 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. For even as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. Well, i got to get God's thoughts. How do I do it? God's Word. Right? Get God's Word. He, or Romans ten seventeen. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So if I'm going to get God's faith, i got to hear God's Word. If I'm listening to somebody else's Word, I'm going to get somebody else's faith. Right? Well, how many of you know that when the rubber meets the road, when the fire is, is, is out of control, I don't want to try to rely on somebody else's faith. I need God kind of faith. Right? So I need to have God's word in my heart. Right? I need to be praying in the Holy Ghost, building up my faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, sealing that word that's been sown into the fertile soil of my heart so it'll produce much fruit, glorify God, and get me out of deep yogurt when I need to be out of deep yogurt. 
And, you know, he, you all know, we've tried all kinds of things in the middle of certain situations. We tried everything. Isn't it funny? Well, I guess it's come down to this. We're going to have to trust God. <laughs> uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth talks about uh, the, 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 the place to be. When, you, when everything you've done and you're still in that tight corner and the pressure is on and you know that the only way out is for God to do something. And you're standing on his word. You know, welcome the warfare. Don't be, don't be freaked out by the warfare. Welcome the battle. Welcome the test. Welcome the trial. And go to the next level and let the word of God prepare you. Remember last week we talked Nehemiah 8. And we're going to do a little bit of review this week. Because I, I talked to people all this week about last week's message. And they got a couple of the one-liners. But they still hadn't wrapped their mind around the reality of what, of what we need to know. So in Nehemiah 8, just, just remember with me, in Nehemiah 8, verse 8, I think we got it. We can throw that up there, right? They read from the book. They read from the book. Oh, we just get you to read the book. Man, if we could just get the church to live according to the book. Man, all the problems that would solve, all the stupid stuff that would just fall out. Why? Because people just in the book. And they read from the book. Uh, God uh, distinctly, faithfully amplifying and giving the sense so that the people understood. See, uh, what you hear is going to determine what you understand. Remember Mark 4, 24, Luke eleven eighteen. I think it is. Uh, you know, be careful how you hear. Be careful what you hear. Give thought to, you know, take care with what you hear. Make sure you're understanding. Hear what God's saying. If you hear what God's saying, it's going to blow your mind. Right? He really is almighty. Right? He really has gone before you. He really has prepared it and provided everything you need. He really is on your side. So the last thing you want to do is wander off on your own thing over here. And these guys are reading the book and they're realizing, hey, we've been living, we've been living wrong. But when we start living right, we can live according to this word. Right, and, and these people get excited because the, the leaders come up and they tell them, guys, you can stop crying. Don't be sad anymore. This day is holy for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Guys, get this. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy. The joy. There's a joy just being a Christian. Man, I, my name's written in Lamb's Book of Life. If, you know, heaven and earth can pass away, but his word's going to go for eternity. So I'm, I'm standing on his word. Greater is he that's living in me than he who's in the world. The greater one is on the inside of me. Man, I ought to produce a joy in you. If you don't have a joy of knowing God, I submit you don't know God. You might know church. You might know religious routine. But you don't know God if the joy ain't there. Right? They read his book. They understood the word. And the joy began to manifest. And the strength became present. I don't care what you're facing. And, please, and don't let your mind go, well, see there, he just don't care what we're facing. That's not how I meant that. Be careful how you hear. Right? It doesn't matter what you're facing. Is that better? Thank you. Okay? I don't care what you're facing. 
You need the joy of the Lord and you can humiliate hell. Hell's trying to rob you of your joy. It, creating all that junk, trying to create a sideshow distraction to get you off of the truth. Then John says that the knowledge of the truth sets you free from the grip of the crap that's trying to cling to you. That's my version. Okay? There's some junk that's trying to, to rob your strength, rob your joy, make you second guess God's promise. Doesn't the Bible say that he declares the end at the beginning? Well, if God declares the end at the beginning, why don't you talk to God and ask him what the end looks like? If you don't know what your end is, you might be really frustrated in the middle because you might think you might get stuck with what you're seeing. Hello? I said, if you don't know what the end is, you might assume anything could be your possible final outcome, and that might just frustrate you to no end. But if you know what the end is, then when the enemy tries to present a different picture, you look at it, you look at the end, you look at it, you look at the end, you go, you can keep that, I'm staying on this. Why? Because I know that I know that I know that God has declared the end at the beginning. So what comes in the middle... It's just a bad joke, right? He is the alpha and the, the beginning and the, the A and the Z. Somebody said B. There's a bunch. Of, <laughs> let's do that again. He is the alpha and the, the beginning and the, the A and the, thank you. How do you know that between B and Y, a whole bunch of junk happens? Right? But you need to know the end. You don't think God would declare the end at the beginning and keep you in the dark, do you? If you're under the impression that you just don't know what's going on, you're right. But you should change that. Said so you should change that. You, you, you should get, to, get into the presence of God and begin to, you know, well, how do I do that? Well, praise. Just begin to praise God. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name. It is good. Why? Because his presence is attracted to your praise. Your praise has the ability to silence hell. Tell hell to shut up and back up, sit down, be quiet, mean God, get about ready to have a meeting. And you get in the presence of God and allow God to buy his spirit to begin to direct your steps and show you, tell you what's coming. I said he'll tell you what's coming. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Do you love God? Then he has prepared, that means made ready in advance some things. There's some stuff waiting for you. But these things, the next verse say, uh, it says, are revealed to us by his spirit. So God didn't prepare things and then bury them. It's not like you're on a quest for a hidden treasure. He's telling you what's coming, and he will not do anything without declaring it to his prophet first. He's going to show you what's going on. He'll tell you what's down the road. You just need to stop long enough and talk to him. You need to get his insight, his revelation, his understanding, and his understanding, trust me, will swallow up the pain that your understanding is allowing to be produced. Right? You, you've got to understand that God wants you to be aware of what is taking place. But you, you gotta make 
certain that you are hearing the right word because many of us are listening to way too much of, of Betty Lou's word than we are to God's word. Right? You're sitting in front of the TV and you're hearing that word in comparison to God's word. You know, you're at the computer, hours on end, you open the book, you read one verse, you take a stupid verse out of the little bread basket thing on the table, you read that, and then you get on with your day, and that's a bunch of Bible for some of us. Hello? You know, you know that in America, the, the best place to hide something is in somebody's Bible. Birth certificates and $100 bills. If you ever go to a garage sale, buy all the Bibles you can get because it's, 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 it's better odds than the lottery that you're going to come out with great blessing. God only knows what they've hidden in there. You could be rich. You got you to hear more word, more word than anything else. And listen, in the day and age we live, the world is screaming. It's screaming at us. Okay, everywhere you look, man, everywhere you look, th this world is not in agreement with God's word. You realize you can believe anything you want. It's acceptable and it has rights. But if you stand on the word of God, the government and everybody else wants to challenge that. So you need to be getting yourself filled with the word of God. If you're listening to any other voice, any other word, more than you are God's word, you're making a huge mistake. I bought sunglasses with an MP3 player on them so I could put, poke them in my ears. So no matter where I'm at, I can be listening to what I decide. So I'm out there on the trail jogging up and down the mountain or out on the boat with the boys screaming. I, they, I can't hear them. They're dying. I don't even know. I've got, I've got somebody preaching something in my head. Why? Because I need to be filled with God's word. I want more word than anything else. I said more word. Why? Because that's going to determine my thoughts. How many of you know that when stuff happens, your mind goes crazy? Okay. You, 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 you're combing your hair and there's a bump on the back of your head. Cancer. I bet I got cancer. What's the first thought? What's your first thought when you go outside and you can't find your car? Mine is praise God we're getting a new ride. <laughs> Greater is he who's living in me. You got to watch your thoughts. You got to check your feelings, right? Your emotions. You do understand that emotions will always make the wrong decision. Every time. Every time. You, good emotion, you're still going to make bad decision. You need God emotion to direct your decision. Good emotion. You go to work and find out that you just got a raise. Well, let's, say, let's not say you. Let's say Joe goes to work. Joe finds out he just got a big fat raise. Joe stops at the Harley Davidson shop on the way home. <laughs> celebrate. He gets home. Now his, his total income each month is less than it was before he left to work that morning. Right? Good emotion. Still a bad decision. Same guy, different day. Joe goes to work. The boss says something about his work. It hurts Joe's feelings. So Joe quits. Joe forgets he's got a wife, three children, and a mortgage. Bad emotion, terrible decision. If you have emotions that are not influenced by the word of God making your decisions, you will never wind up at the final outcome place that God's called and created you to go. Never. Never. 
somebody hurt me. You, you guys got to understand this. People are hurt everywhere. It's going to happen. It, it is going to happen. You are going to be hurt. The people that you feel closest to are going to hurt you. Okay? Sorry. Either that or you're going on a long extended vacation. And you're not going to see any of us ever again. If you're around people, you're going to get hurt. They hurt me. And so now I'm making decisions born out of that hurt. There's, the problem with that is that emotion is not from God, and that emotion will never make the right decision. So here we are in church singing great songs, giving good offerings, connecting with good people. We're still making bad choices, bad decisions. Why? Because our whole life's been motivated from pain. And that hurt. You know, Luke 10, 19. Did I give you that one? Luke 10, 19. It says that God has given us authority. Look at your neighbor and say, I've got authority. You got Look at that. Behold, I give unto you power, authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. Everybody say all. all. Come on, say all. all. Over all the power of the enemy. And look at this line. Look at this. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. And I'm telling you what now, we're on something right here. This, this is a word that can change your eternity from this moment forward. You don't ever have to be hurt again. I said you don't ever have to be hurt again. Well, you mean God's going to change the way they act? No, he's going to change the way you feel. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. So the same guy says the same thing that destroyed you yesterday, but tomorrow he says it and you're Teflon boy. It just hits and slides off. Why? Because you know something tomorrow you didn't know yesterday, right? So you know that God has given me authority, power to say, sorry, ain't listening to that. That word's not going to dictate in my brain. It's not going to have control over my thoughts. It's not going to rule my emotion. It's not going to make my decision. It's not going to be the builder of my habits. It is not going to determine my character. And it is not going to have anything to do with my final outcome because I got a word. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. Nothing. Nothing. You do realize that the seed was sown, right? The seed was the Word of God. The source of the seed. The seed was the Word of God. Okay, here comes the seed. The seed gets sown. What happens is immediately something comes to try to steal that seed. Right? You remember the Bible? Source of the seed. The seed was the Word. Some fell on this ground. Some Immediately, in every case, they all heard the same Word. But in every case, something came to steal that Word. So, your greatest satanic opposition will always come after your freshest revelation. So I'm telling you that God's word says nothing shall by any means hurt you. You're going to have a hard time getting out of the building tonight without something trying to hurt you. Why? Because you have an enemy that's going to find out if you know this or not. If you're going to believe this or not. You're going to go home tonight. You're going to go out to the car. You're going to say something to your wife or to your husband or to one of the kids. They're going to give you that look. And on the way home, you're going to be tested. You, oh, really? Are you, are you going to live and decide not to be hurt? Are you looking for the opportunity to celebrate your hurt? You know, some, I've noticed some things about hurt people, and that's all of us, okay? But when you're hurting, you really look for the opportunity to advertise that. 
you know, how, how to tell if I'm hurt. Who are you calling? Because you're making phone calls to people you haven't talked to in months to share the good news. <laughs> you, know, you know I ain't lying out. Your phone rings and they say, how you doing? You go, good, how are you? And there's a long pause. Well, right about there you want to say, never mind, I got to go. Because they called you to spread the joy, right? Hurt, hurt people, it, it, is, it is our motivation to share that, to get agreement, right? To find somebody who will get an agreement. And, and anybody who doesn't agree, we, we place this upon them. They just don't understand. You just don't understand. And if you do that enough, then you go through life saying, no one understands me. You're right. You're hurt. They were wrong. You were right. They were mean. You tried to be nice. And you got hurt. But if that dictates your choices, it's going to create a habit. And that habit's going to determine your character. Your character, all it is, is that for what you're known by. What do we know? What do people know about you? That's your character. How, how, do, how, do, we, how do we define you? That's your character. And you're going to be known as somebody who's been hurt. Are you going to allow your hurt to define you? Are you going to allow your victory to define you? James 1, verse 2. Here we are again. My brethren, count it joy. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, different temptations, tests, and trials. Knowing this. No, he's telling you how to deal with temptation, test, and trial. How? Knowing this. What do you know? What do you know? It doesn't make any difference what the challenge is. What do you know? I know that the trying of my faith worketh patience. Again, the word worketh does not mean produce. It means to employ. So the trying of your faith employs patience. It puts patience on the pace, you know, scale. It, here, it, here comes patience. It's got a job to do. What, here's where we mess up is we fire our patience as quickly as possible. Handing out pink slips before patience can totally get inside the building. We want patience gone. My whole life I thought that meant the trying of your faith produced patience. It's not what it says. It worketh patience. You got to know this, that the trying of your faith, your faith, all your faith is is what you know. Your faith will go on trial. That's not a bad thing. That is a good thing. Because at the end of the trial, your faith will be determined to be within or outside the boundaries of the law. It is a legal term. It is a trial. So at the end of the trial, when the judgment has been made, now they ain't got no second thought opportunity. Why? Because my faith has been tried and found true, according to the truth. Right? So I'm not afraid of the trial. I embrace the trial. The trial is going to prove the Word of God is true. So I let patience have the job. Don't fire patience. The word patience is really steadfastness or to remain the same. You've got to remain the same from the beginning all the way to the end. Well, how can I remain the same? Well, because he declared the end at the beginning. I know what the end is, so the middle doesn't change me. I'm still going towards the end. How can I have patience in the middle of a battle? Because I know I win. God showed me the picture of the end. 
He did not show me bleeding along the way, gasping my last breath, screaming, we almost made it. So I know I'm not going to die out here. Come on, somebody. I'm not dying, you know, in a condition of hurt and pain and loss. No, I'm on a victor's circle. I'm out there in the winner's circle. I got it made because God's on my side. Look at your neighbor and say, God is on my side. Trying of your faith, worketh patience. Look at, look at verse 4. And patience, let her have her perfect work, so that you may be perfect and entire. Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. What is patience going to do for you? It's going to bring you to a position that is absent of lack. Oh, get this. The only thing lacking at the end is lack. The only thing lacking is lack. There is no lack. You know what that means? That at the beginning, what you claim by faith, at the end, you'll not only have by faith, you'll have by sight. You'll have in your hand what you said you had in your hand at the beginning. Nobody could see it in your hand, but you stood on faith at the beginning that I got it in my hand. But at the end, you got it in your hand. Why? Because patience went to work. And and your faith went on trial. So many people say, I tried faith. It didn't work. Faith tried you. You wouldn't work. At the end, you got it. Lacking nothing. Why? Well, because it's God's Word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you're living in the Word and the Word of God's living in you, if you're living in the Word and the Word's living in you, you can ask anything you want. It'll be given to you. Wait, 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 wait. You can't say that we can ask for anything we want. Yes, I can. Because the Bible says it. You mean I can ask for anything I want? Yeah, but what you want's going to change because the Word's going to be alive in you. So once the word gets inside of you and you're living in the word, that word's going to change your thoughts. That thought's going to change your emotion. Those emotions are going to change your choices. Now what you thought you wanted, you know you don't want. Hello? Are you with me? You understand God's word and all of a sudden one of the first things you're going to understand is that God wants to prosper you, to increase you, to bless you, to strengthen you. He is for you, not against you. He's trying to help you, not harm you. So now I can trust him with all my heart. I lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways I acknowledge him. He's directing my path. Why? Because I know that what he has for me is way better than anything I can produce on my own. So I allow his word to change me from the inside out. I'm not so concerned. You know, the things that used to matter don't mean anything. How many of you have ever had that where something that was just everything to you, everything to you, everything, everything gotta have it, gotta have it, and then you get it, and three days later, you don't even need it? Huh? Things that you thought were vital, you find out later, mean nothing. I don't care. You know what's really cool? Check this out. She doesn't have the scripture. Look at this Luke 5. Luke chapter 5. This is crazy. Guys, you got to get this. Why? Well, because you're going to be facing crisis. And you can't let crisis dictate your emotion. And you got to get real. You need some people in your life that you can go to and say, okay, when I'm under pressure, do I change? And you need, and you need them to have the freedom to say, yes. We don't like being around you when you're under pressure. You need people in your world who can tell you the truth. Why? Well, because if you, if you believe a lie, at the end, you'll be wondering how come it didn't work. It wasn't faith that didn't work. It was you didn't work. Why? Because your understanding's off. Look at this. Luke 5. We've, we've been here a hundred times maybe. Well, I doubt that many, but several. Uh, I've been there enough that the... Here, look, look at my page. Can you see this? 
Okay? I've rubbed this off. Don't buy me a new Bible. Last time I did this, somebody bought me a new Bible. I can't even use it. You know why? Because it's not messed up like this. I, this. I know where stuff's at now. Okay. Now, now it occurred. Luke 5, you there? Luke 5. I'm reading the Amplified. Now, it occurred while the people pressed upon Jesus to hear. The, they, the word here means to understand. These people pressed in to understand the word. Jesus was teaching them. He saw two boats drawn up by the lake. The, fishers, the fishermen had gone down for them and were washing their nets. Washing nets, washing nets. What, you got clean nets, no, no fish. Here's a question for you. Why would you clean the net if it hadn't had any fish in it? Just something to do. That, that's kind of like church. A lot of times in church, that's what we're doing. Right? We're just washing empty nets. Well, God didn't call us to wash empty nets. He called us to be fisher of men. Okay. Anyway, it's got to keep going. Just, just a minute. Okay. Uh, they're looking busy, but not productive. And getting into one of the boats that belonged to Peter, he requested him to, to draw away from the shore, right? And he sat down. He continued to teach. Everybody say, he continued to teach. I'll say it again. He continued to teach. Once you get God started, he's going to keep on talking. Hear me. Once you get the line of communication open, trust me, he's going to keep you up at night. Talking, 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 talking. There are going to be moments you're going, oh, my gosh. He's just talking. You finally, you got the open line. Here we go. Now, he continued to teach. And when he had stopped speaking, he looked at Peter and he said, launch out into the deep and lower your net for a haul. And Peter said, we toiled all night, exhaustingly. We caught nothing on our net. But on the ground of your word, I'll lower the nets again. And, and, you know, I used to think that Peter must have had a real attitude. Good grief. I'm a fisherman. You're a preacher. Why don't I fish? You preach. How about that? I fish. You preach. I fish. You preach. That wasn't his attitude at all. His attitude was, you know what? We, we did what we do, and we got this dumb result. But I just heard what you said, and so I'm going to do it again. On the ground of your word, I'm going to do what I've always done, but I know I'm going to get a different result because I heard what you said. And you, you know the rest of the story. That they, When they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish. They called other partners. They almost sank two boats. Uh, they were knee-deep in fish. Then great fear. They're on their knees. Oh, they're crying out. Nah, 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 nah. And uh, yeah, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were, they were freaked out too. And from now on, he said, from now on, you're going to be catching men. Look at verse 11. And when they had run their boat on shore, they left everything joined him as his disciples and sided with his party. Listen to me. They left everything. Listen. Things that were everything at one moment suddenly became nothing the next. Are you with me? They left everything they thought was life because, oh, now I have understanding of what you said. There are issues in your world that are so important. You're fighting to prove you're right. But see, see, emotion will always make a decision that will protect your feelings, not protect your future. But godly emotion knows that you're not living by your feeling. So it'll always protect your future, leaving you standing there saying, nothing shall by any means hurt me. Are you with me? When you understand this, when you know this, when you know this, a trial will come and you go, <laughs> oh, good. 
a problem will arise. You might have a moment where you start freaking out just a little bit and the enemy thinks he's got you. And then you go, oh yeah, but the Bible says. Guys, I got to tell you something. The, the last year or so has been the most crazy mental trip for Shelby and I, we've been, we've had more challenges in the emotional realm than ever before. And it's forced me to go back. What does the Bible say? What does God's word say? Because I know that when I do what he said, he will produce what he promised every single time. I know when I do what he said, he will produce what he promised Every single time. So I got to know what he said. Because the enemy's trying to get me distracted so I won't remember what he said. Remember, you can't remember anything you didn't know in the first place. So I need to know what he said. I got to have a knowing this. When, when different trials, temptations, and tests come, I got to have a knowing this. Financial trial comes, but I know this. I got seed in the ground. I know this. I'm a tither. I know this, my God supplies all my need. I know this. When the physical attack comes, I know this, he sent his word and healed them. I know this, that if I hearken unto his voice and listen to his words, they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. I know this. See, if you know it, you can't be talked out of it. So you can remain the same from the beginning. To the end. You got to know this. What, what, what must I know in the middle of a crisis? That my human emotion can't make one decision. Matter of fact, when trouble comes and you feel like doing something, don't do that. That's a great indicator. You know, you have thoughts and they, and they trigger things. You know, different things happen. It triggers different thoughts. And, and, and trouble comes and it triggers a thought. Make that the first thing you're never, ever going to do again. Gas goes up 15 more cents overnight. And your thought is, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Don't do that. Mm -mm. I'm going to buy me a smart car. Yeah, you're going to go out and, and pay $25,000 to save 15 cents a gallon. Come on now, don't, don't do stupid stuff thinking it's going to have a wise result. There is a way, Proverbs 14:12. We'll, we'll, I'm going to try to wrap up. Proverbs 14:12. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Remember, death isn't dead, death is separation. So there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. There is a way that makes sense to you. This is the way we should handle it. But see, if you're so focused on the way, you'll forget about the end. See, you need to get focused on the end and let God direct the way. His way is higher than your way. So you don't need your way that seemeth right. You need His end that he declared at the beginning. Come on now. If, if you talk to God at the beginning, you know what the end is, right? So you focus on the end, he'll direct your way. You don't have to be separated from it. You don't have to be beat up. You just remain the same. Re, I said remain 
Just look at your name and say, remain the same. You know, I think that a lot of us have excused ourselves for our strange emotional condition. Well, this is the way my family is. If any man be in Christ, he's new. Them old things are gone. Behold, all things are new. Hello, fresh and new. You don't got that excuse no more. Things ain't going your way and you're grumpy. No, you're carnal. No, I'm, I'm preaching to Shelby right now. <laughs> Look at her smile. <laughs> you're dead. Okay. See, that's an emotional response that needs to be dealt with right here and right now. You know that's anointed. Don't be blaming it on your mama either. <laughs> no, we, we come up with all kinds of stupid stuff to justify our carnality. We are emotionally driven, which means that decisions are moving us away from the promise of God, but we're good people. Good heart, great intentions, still separated from the promises of God. Why? Because you're doing it your way. There's a way that seems right to you. It seems right. It seems right for you to act that way. It seems right for you to be moved by your emotions. It seems right because you're justified. But it ain't getting the right result. And I guess at some point we got to ask ourselves, are we going to protect our feelings or protect our future and trust God with all this emotional mess. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Acknowledge him in all your ways. He'll take care of the way and connect you to the end. Oh, Man, if we can just read the book. If we'll just read the book. I tell you what, I, I get so excited because I'm, I'm thinking, oh man, if we can learn this principle, if, if we can just apply this truth, we can change the final outcome. We can develop the right character. We can, we can exhibit the right habits. We're making the right choices. We're led by the right emotion. We're, we're thinking the right thoughts. We, we, and we're hearing the right word. Showing people who are suffering and frustrated and hurting. I mean, really, those who are separated from God. Showing them God really makes a relevant difference. My life and the lives of, of, of people who serve God, God's real. And the plan he has to prosper us, to give us the hope of a future. Let me just close with this thought. Doesn't it make sense that if God's plan was the hope of your future, that your enemy would try to get you to do anything that would sabotage that future? Just makes sense, don't it? That if God's plan is the hope of the future, then your enemy's plan is to rip from your grip that future. Just remember this. Every emotional decision will protect your feelings, sabotaging your future. 
godly emotion. Ain't worried about your feelings. It's the development of your future. Knowing that nothing shall by any means hurt you. You ain't never going to be hurt again. 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 Because I've been given authority, power. I can be walking on snakes and handling serpents. You know, you know who those people are, right? I, I can be... Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen? Can I pray for you? Close your book. Close your eyes. Let me pray. Are you here tonight and you are not connected to God? You, you do not have a relevant relationship with God. There is a way that seems right to you. And God's not been a part of it. 